we are. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome. It's Monday night, Generational Change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And why do we get so much news all at once? Why they call it the dump, right? The mm. Friday news dump, or the well, are we? Ta- well, it depends. Are we talking about news? Or are we talking about propaganda? Well, I or political theater. Well, I well I, we dropped the video clip earlier. Is uh, President Biden going to get impeached? <laughs> well, I just to me the idea of that in twenty four we could potentially have two formerly impeached presidents running against each other for president. Like, I, to me, like that in and of itself I is think just the entire the entire plan is just to get him not to run. Like that's basically. Well, I'm living in the bizarro world, so it all makes sense to me now. Oh, come on, man. I could totally run again. Oh, God, I don't think he really ran the first time. No, he didn't. He actually just sat in his basement, didn't do a thing, and just let Trump implode. And it was totally great. So there you go. So obviously a lot has happened over the weekend. And of course, it's uh, always good when we can do a crossover podcast because Lord knows when that happens. Well, we cross-pollinate. Cross-pollinate. How many people are cross-pollinating we these We cross-pollinate. Days, well, not enough people, because a lot of people get more competitive than wanting to be collaborative. Love and that's definitely K. a problem. Okay. Um, and that's a problem I see on the left is this more sort of imploding, infighting, eating of, of our own and not as much of collaboration. So I like to foster that well, if only as we much had- as as much as possible. If only the infighting resulted in $50 million paydays, then we could at least swim in our mm. money and feel better about ourselves. That would right? be nice. That would be wonderful. That would be nice. So let's not have uh, too big of an ego because Lord knows we've got a lot of problems to deal with and we can certainly address many of them. Um, but there, I think the timing of this is actually really good uh, because of what has just happened. You know, we are- You're going to have to be more specific. Well, specifically alluding to what has happened with Kashama Sawant oh. in Seattle, uh, I think- People are just desperate for a new path forward, and rightfully so. Um, it's very exciting. It's very exciting because, well, yeah. we're going to get into it in a minute, but it's very exciting to me because it's very specifically happening outside of electoral politics, which is where at this point we need to gather the strength because that's where it is. Right now, it's like electoral politics for the most part is where the people go to die um, and, and progressivism goes to die. I mean, we have a progressive caucus that, I, again, I'm still waiting. Anyone out there, tell me the point of having a caucus if you don't unite to form a block on issues. I don't understand the point of it. You don't want to create relational harm. Well, That's let me tell point. you something. Don't Alex, that. you're not there to make friends, honey. You're not there to make friends. So um, there's that. You got to be willing to be hated in order to get things done I, for people that desperately need it. I'm, I'm, well, we're going to talk about the people coming on, um, the due dissidents guys. And I want to, I am on the same page with them on, on an issue regarding this, which is, um, the DSA absolutely should make a statement, should go after people that you cannot claim to be a socialist and do anything that's against the best interests of labor. Like that's just an oxymoron. That's like Jews for Jesus, honey. It's not a thing. So, um, Yeah. Anyway, we'll that's where of, I am on that. We'll have a lot of fun. This should be an entertaining conversation. They are a rapidly rising content creator team on YouTube and, of course, are fighting for the same policies almost universally that we're fighting for. So why the hell not have this conversation? Keaton Weiss, Russell Doblar of Due Dissonance, welcome to Generational Change. Thank you guys very much for having us. I'm a little Hello. disappointed. I thought we were going to beef with each other and make some money. Hell no. How are we you were going to diss us, we were going to diss you back, and then we would each make videos dissing the other one. I thought that's No, we're lefties. Those. We're supposed to We're supposed to be hang, hang on. You're, you're lefties? I, I thought this was a unite the alt-right show. 
You're at the wrong know. show. Did you make that mistake? Or shoe theory. Well, you know what's funny is when I was running, I would go to Republican club meetings. I would go to Dem club meetings. I went to all of it. I will say hands down, I would infinitely prefer to be in a Republican club meeting than a Dem club meeting. And that's specifically in Broward County. I can't speak as to the rest of the country. Well, at I least they let you clap. Well, please clap. clap. But just in general, the the attendees, it isn't the the policy. It's just the general vibe. They're so much less judgy and so much more welcoming. You You know, they're more welcoming. They're more regular people. They're not judgy and elitist. They're just, you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, a Democratic meeting in Broward County is like a room with 200 Joy Behars. Somebody, somebody, somebody's been to South Florida. Somebody before. does. So he oh, recently of course. I drove down. Picture. My grandparents are my grandparents are the typical New York story. Jewish grandparents worked in the Bronx, uh, would start going down to Miami in the winters when they turned 65. And then at 75, they moved full time. Every Christmas when I was a kid, we would drive down. So yeah, spent Where quite a bit of time in, in South Florida. They were well, Miami. they were not in Broward. They were in they were Miami. But we had to, you know, you have to drive through Broward to get there, obviously. Yeah. So I know what you're No, I'm about. from Miami, Dave. No, I it know. Was just uh, of course, yeah. Time. But um it's funny that you say that. The last picture that Peter showed me of a recent Dem Club meeting, and this was just our committee. It wasn't even like the senior group, but within the span of one picture of a couple of tables of people, I counted three wheelchairs and a walker. And then he just showed me the picture of the Broward GOP meeting and it's a huge spectrum of age like i mean just completely different and i think that's very telling yeah well i think that's the way that i see it and i would love to hear your guys thoughts on this is i think that what we've seen and especially with um when you're talking about the foreign policy institutions that have now really seeped uh, their claws into the Democratic Party is when Bernie really caught fire in the summer of 2015, they knew that this was a real problem that wasn't going away. So they had to create some type of a roadblock to sort of stifle this sort of populist left movement that they want to say is going to be a graveyard if you stay within the Democratic Party. When you come to these meetings, even in Broward, I think it's a microcosm of what's going on around the country. Oh, yeah. They will not let go of their power because they know that people, especially in the Gen Z and millennial generation in particular, want a non-corporate form of government. And that goes completely against everything that they stand for, especially the way that the Florida Democratic Party has been funded for the yeah. better part of a generation. Uh, our congresswoman has a direct hand in that and has uh, for quite some time. And I do think a lot of that change that we seek is being, you know, I, I think just stonewalled on one part because we know that it all has to do with economics. And then on the other part, the people such as Alex, such as, uh, you know, Corey, any of the ones that have gotten in there over the last five years, that life is very intoxicating. It is very lucrative. And especially when you're coming from a world where you're used to You add in the benefits, you add in the access. Uh, you try telling that person that, you know, it's more important to help people that are desperate versus just play the game for another 20 years and you might catch a break at some point. I think that's what we're looking at in many ways. How do you guys see it? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. Sorry, sorry Russell. You can go ahead. Uh, 
trying to reform the Democratic Party or thinking that the Democratic Party is an instrument for reform, that that's like you're going to reform your local country club. Like, why, why would they go along with that? You're going to go to your local country club and be like, you know, this is really elite. We <laughs> need to stop having all this big money. You, you guys, all, all the, the lobster Newberg, this stuff has to go. And they're, they're going to listen to you. Why would they do that? It's a private club. It's a private party with private funding and they have zero interest in changing that. If you show up and you start yelling about democratic process in a pinch, they'll do what they did with the primary. They'll go to court. And if they have to, they'll admit this is all a sham as they did in open court. It was all a sham. It's a private club where, where read the fine print. We're under no obligation to run a free and fair primary. Um, uh, it, did you did you notice we have super delegates? Does that seem like a party that's interested in what you think about who should be elected? Take a take a hint, guys. Take take a hint. I mean, I, at the end of the day, all the Bernie people, all of us who got involved in that, it's um, it was very naive. In the end. Look, uh, you know, I think a lot of us have mixed feelings about Bernie at this point. Um, I, uh, he has a lot to do with why we're sitting here speaking now. Um, but at the same time, Jimmy Dore was right. I'm going to get a bumper sticker. Jimmy Dore was right. <laughs> yes, he was sheepdogging everybody into that party. And if you don't mean revolution, don't say revolution. If you, if you really mean revolution, that's revolution. That means when they steal it from you, you go and run as an independent. You go start, you're in the best position to start a credible third party of anyone since the founding of the Republican Party and you won't do it. Then don't talk revolution. Don't talk that shit. The saddest thing about that was all of the hill bots used to throw at us how Bernie is just a branding exercise. This is all a sham. And in the end, they were right. In the end, they were proven right in that regard. Keaton? Yeah, I mean, well, I was just going to say, I mean, that was a broader answer than, than I would have given, but I guess, I mean, that's that's fine. When it comes to, you know, AOC and her recent statement about relational harm, you know, I think that that speaks to everything that you just said there, you know, Um you know, uh, to to these people, once once they get in there, their relationships are what matter most to them. And the thing that I found really interesting about the Republican force to vote episode that they just had on their side is that there was no relational harm suffered by Lauren Boebert or Matt Gates or any of them. There was no relational harm. They pressed for a new church committee. And they got that new church committee 221 to 211. Every single Republican voted for their new church committee. They didn't lose one goddamn person. So they suffered no relational harm. What does relational harm mean? You either get the votes or you don't get the votes. doesn't matter whether they like you or not. Who, who cares? Who cares? The bottom line is, are they going to vote the way you want? And in this most recent example, the Republican Party came out of it totally unified when it came to what matters, which is how they vote. And the only reason they had that vote in the first place is because 
Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, et al. put their leadership through 14 rounds of humiliation and scared the hell out of them to the point where they say, okay, fine, we'll have a vote to form this committee. And every single Republican voted the way the 20 Freedom Caucus holdouts wanted them to vote. So there is no real relational harm in any actual political sense. Maybe you get talked about at cocktail parties in a way that you wouldn't want to. You think Matt Gates cares about that? I don't. Lauren Boebert, does she care about that? Doesn't seem like it. That's how you got to do it. That's how you got to do it if you are a quote-unquote fringe faction within one of these two major parties. And on the right, they have people who are willing to do that. On the left, we don't. And it's that simple. That's well, how it that, down. That, that's what they said about uh, Reagan, right? He, he primaried Ford, right? He's, he was a fringe radical doing great relational harm to his reputation. Four years later, he was the president. Right. That's well, how you Republicans, do it. Republican Party is infinitely more democratic. You know, like they don't have superdelegates. Go figure. They actually go with what their base wants. I don't yeah. again, I don't agree with them on policy, but right. as far as their party politics go within their party, they're infinitely more democratic. And imagine what would happen if the actual progressive caucus was actually progressive and acted as a caucus, because that's is a, that's what I was just saying. Like, I don't understand the point of having any of those groups that don't do anything. And the only thing that um, Gates and company did really was have things brought to the floor for votes, which, by the way, shouldn't be something that a representative of people should have to fight tooth and nail to have happen. So to me, that's just crazy anyway. And I, what it really comes down to, Alex, I don't think it's relational issues. I think it has to do with APAC and the Democratic Majority for Israel issues and the threat of being primaried and the threat of a lot of things happening to you if you don't comply. That's what I think. That's the relations I think she's speaking about. Well, they don't, they don't want to wind up in the Chris Cuomo garage doing uh, interviews yeah, uh, I saw that. Clip. How mean they we were to, to, cover that clip to him as Thursday. a child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't, but to me, that doesn't compute because if you're so popular in your own district, if you're really involved with what's going on in the community in terms of making it better, especially if, in your, if you're in New York. And listen, I give Alex a lot of credit for what she has done to inspire a lot of people in New York City. Her efforts on the Hill are obviously slim to none, if anything at all. But in terms of what has happened in New York City, I would definitely say that she has had a, a direct correlation to the amount of people that have stepped up for especially city council positions and things like that. But in terms of actually sinking your teeth in and actually being a problem for the electoral you know, establishment, if you will, uh, she hasn't taken that leap. And I don't think she's going to take it anytime soon because, as many have suggested, she's playing the long game. And unfortunately, in the Democratic Party, you could be playing the long game for 20 years because the leadership of that party, they're all in their 80s, with the exception of now of Hakeem Jeffries. But when the two leaders of your party are from New York City, when people talk about the Democratic Party being a party of coastal elites, I mean, you're just giving the independent, you know, average voter you know, all the information they need to form sure. a conclusion of that. We don't really care about working people in this country. Well, you also before have to I, ask the that, question, yeah, though, where, does the long, where does the long game take you? Where does the long game lead, right? When Nancy Pelosi said, you know, for every cause, these young progressives champion, I have a sign in my basement for that cause. Well, that's a very telling statement, yes. right? That says that if you play the long game long enough, you learn 
the system and you end up just like her, right? And so it's not just like, it's one thing to play a long game if you're going to be steadfast in your support for these issues, but don't be surprised in 30 years if AOC is saying, yeah, you know, when I ran, I was for Medicare for all. I know what it's like to support Medicare for all. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was there when I was, when I was young, I supported it too. You know, you can hear the, the you know, very, very similar story. And there is absolutely nothing suspicious about my flawless stock picking. Absolutely yeah, right. exactly. nothing. I mean, that alone, it's like, come on. I mean, at some point, the the level of corruption is just so in your face. I, I don't blame people for checking out or saying, I'm just not going to vote anymore. I'm amazed that there's not people building guillotines in front of people's houses. What's amazing to me is how Nancy Pelosi seems so surprised that somebody would break into her house. Like, how? why would somebody do such a thing? I don't know, Nancy Antoinette. But like, at some point, you can't build a moat wide enough. And, and I personally believe that all of these people that are acting contrary to what clearly the majority of this country wants for many, many things, that they need to be heckled every time they leave their homes. I think people like Kavanaugh and Ted Cruz and all these people, that, as Kirsten Cinema that are getting hurt, I think those people should not get a moment's peace when they leave their home, nonviolent, when they leave their homes. That's what I think. I, screw them. I'm so past the decorum with these people. And that's very important to high society. And I've been around it. Oh, they really value that type they of can stuff. Go, they can go kiss Being my ass. I, look, you, you guys, I'm sure, have been around upper class liberals who want to brag about where they went to college or where their kids went to college. Let me college. tell you, I'll climb over that stall and look over at Kirsten. So I'll stand on that toilet and look on over there at you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> that's what defines people. <laughs> I, 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 I've been around the kind of liberals who literally um, spend time figuring out how far they are from the throne of England in their in their ancestral tree. I, I shit you not. Shit That's you like not. a course in inbreeding, is it not? Yes, they're very they're very there is a certain class of people uh -oh. who many of whom people don't realize this like we really truly have an aristocracy not not the obvious you know bill gates and all this no no there is there is this aristocracy that is concentrated around dc of people who are descended from prominent well you've got the who, bushes the clintons the obamas but then people like you just don't people. even know about like like i dated a girl who was very much of that class who was babysat by like robert e lee's descendants you know? <laughs> like like there's a there is a class of people like this that most of us just don't even know about oh yeah well you're from new york right mm -hmm. yeah there's people that live on the upper east side of manhattan that if anyone even knew how much wealth is sitting within like a two or three block <laughs> radius they they wouldn't it, when people complain it's like you're so far removed from the realities of how the world actually operates. The problem with the, you know, the Trumps of the world is that it's all in your face. You know, the the lib, the, the left uh, billionaires, if you will, the Gateses of the world, the. What do you, why would uh, you call him left? Well, no, I'm yeah. saying I'm a li I said liberal. I didn't say left. Oh, OK. Good God. All right. So the, the liberal side of the billionaire class tend to be a lot more uh, in the public eye. Whereas the ones on the right tend to be, you know, even Peter Thiel for to a degree, uh, he's like the extent of what a right wing billionaire in the public eye would be like. There are so many mm -hmm. of them that people can't even see that well, they have he, no idea what they're up to. 
he's been throwing a lot of money around in the art scene in New York. Uh, apparently, there is like this. I mean, that's bohemianism now, right? Like, there's this group of like right wing arts people hanging around in Brooklyn and feel they get they get a lot of feel bucks for that. Do you ever see a movie called Metropolitan? No. Okay. When was it? What era? Uh, that was the 90s. Okay, he he went on to make a few movies. He made a movie called uh, Barcelona. It was it was all kind of about those kinds of people. I mention it because he blew the lid off something that that this is related to what we're talking about in DC um, that most New Yorkers don't know about. Look, going all the way back to the British colony, you always had this aristocracy here that has cotillions and coming out balls for their daughters. That still goes on here. I forget the name of the filmmaker, but he was from that culture and he just kind of made a movie blowing the lid off the fact that there is this hidden culture of of these old British aristocratic rituals here in New York among these old money families. And he went on and made a few more movies that dealt with that class. But that one was really very specifically about this hidden aristocracy in New York. So I, I would recommend it. That's really interesting. It's disgusting, but yet really interesting. We have a really big problem with people still believing that the Democratic Party is the party of labor. We desperately need a party of labor in the country. Now, <laughs> well, right. I, I mean, I don't know who says that. They might not completely acknowledge that they've thrown labor under their bus and killed it. But I don't know anyone who thinks that they actually represent labor. Well, a great example is what happened recently as people are lamenting the fact that Roe v. Wade doesn't exist anymore. But the truth is, it would exist if it had been codified by the Democrats in multiple occasions over the last 40, 50 years, including two instances where the Democrats had super majorities for two years and nothing was done about it because nothing maintains the status quo better than a scare tool that is also a fundraising behemoth. And that is exactly <laughs> sure. what it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now that it's gone, I think a lot of people are noticing that the Democratic Party is suffering mightily in terms of its fundraising prowess. You've got a huge <laughs> problem with the president who now is marred in his own scandal, which is not going to get any better because there's <laughs> always going to be opportunists in the permanent Washington area that are going to try to push this guy out because they know he can't be Trump or DeSantis if they have a real campaign. And so we're left the people that are desperately seeking some type of a workers uprising in this country for something to happen. And there's been a lot of imitators, including people that we know, who I think are complete phony balonies. But there is an opportunity now, I believe, with Kashama Sawant, who is looking to actually start something that is a whether it's a workers party or just a workers movement revolution, whatever you want to call it. It's not a party. If there's somebody who I think could lead a workers movement in this country, it's her. It's very exciting. This is very exciting. All right. We want to read. The, I don't know. Did you guys read her um, post as to why her why I'm doing what I'm doing? Yeah, you're talking about the article in The Stranger, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I read that whole article. We actually read a piece of it on our, our stream last night, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's what we got to do. All right, so well, this will be old for you, but I think this is great, and I like that it's in- It's all right. All this shit is old words. for us. We talk about the same shit every day, right? I mean, that's what this game <laughs> but, is. Yeah, but you know what? The only way somebody's going to learn is if you keep hammering it home over and over. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about that. 
Okay, so from Kashama Sawant, why I'm not running again for city council. I'm launching a national movement called Workers Strike Back. This is now the 10th year I've had the honor to serve as an elected representative of Seattle's working people. Workers in Seattle, through getting organized alongside my socialist city council office and my organization, Socialist Alternative, have won historic victories from the $15 an hour minimum wage to the Amazon tax, love that one, to landmark tenant renters' rights. Very good as well. These victories have set a powerful example that has a has had a national and even international impact. In one four election victories in, in every struggle, we've had to overcome the combination might of big business, corporate media, and the political establishment. Each time, working people refuse to back down, and we have prevailed again and again. This is the most important lesson for our example of socialist politics in Seattle, that when workers and young people get organized and fight, we can win. There's no meaningful, that no meaningful progressive change can be won under capitalism without the vicious opposition of the rich and their political servants. And that, and that instead of backing down, we need to build the unity of working class people and fight back fiercely and proudly. Agree 100% with that line. Instead of backing down, we need to build the unity of working class people, fight and fight back fiercely and proudly. A rapacious and parasitic capitalist class has amassed untold fortunes over the labor of billions off of workers. Off the labor of billions of workers. Uh, off. Off the labor That's of billions what I said. of workers. That's what I said. But their system is... Hey, you guys are giving out major Broward County vibes here. Don't argue with a woman. You have to tell us where you're from. number one in life, guys. Just don't argue with a woman. It's not worth it. Meanwhile, it eviscerates ordinary people's living standards with historic levels of inflation, and over 800 million go to bed hungry each night. The right wing is on the attack against abortion rights in the LGBTQ people. The future of human civilization rests on a knife's edge with the existential threat of climate catastrophe, which is actually a better way to describe it. Work, working and young people cannot afford status quo corporate politics. At my inauguration in 2014, I said, Let's, let me make one thing absolutely clear. There will be no backroom deals with corporations or their political servants. There will be no rotten sellout of the people I represent. Imagine that novel idea. And she actually has to say that. Uh, and she does. Because thank you for saying that, because we do need that cleared up. Our Socialist Council office has held true to that. It is extremely regrettable that exceedingly few other elected officials in this country can say the same. Correct. Since I was elected in 2013, more than 200 self-identified Democratic Socialist candidates have been elected nationally. But unfortunately, with rare exceptions, the overwhelming majority of them have abandoned their campaign promises and have failed to stand up to the political establishment. Just last month, we saw the historic and shameful betrayal of railroad workers by members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, including caucus chair Pramila Jayapal and self-proclaimed Democratic Socialist squad members such as AOC. The breaking of the railroad workers' strike by progressives in Congress does not just hurt railroad workers, it is a betrayal of the entire working class. Such sellouts have even more sinister consequences. It gives an opening to the right wing, as we saw with five Republican senators disingenuously voting against the strike-breaking bill, to pretend to be on the side of railroad workers. These Republicans who in reality nakedly serve the interests of the wealthy are, are being allowed to pretend their party is the party of the worker. How is this possible? Only because the Democratic Party is moving further and further right in their loyalty, loyal support of the corporate elite. It is deeply unfortunate that it was the right-wing Freedom Caucus who demonstrated how to use leverage and force establishment concessions rather than the squad. And let's be honest, 
They used the exact tools that were presented to the national public that the progressives were asked to use two years ago. And if there's one thing the GOP does better than anybody else, it's own the libs. And here's the thing. And by the way, she has squatting quotes. Squat. Squat. Quotes. With a continued failure of real leadership on the left, the House speakership (laughs) fight revealed just how quickly and dangerously the right wing current can fill the void. It is the frightening flashback to how Trump won his election in the first place and will probably win it again. Working people and the left cannot stand by and wait on so-called progressive elected officials. We cannot put our faith in the AOCs or the Jayapals, even though I understand there were no, there were many who had high expectations for them. AOC recently claimed that she could not fight against Democratic leaders on behalf of workers because it would cause relational, relational harm with those party <laughs> leaders. What about the vast and very real harm taking place in the absence of such a fight for our needs? It's a very valid point. Oh, I love this whole letter. Meanwhile, the organization that should be holding AOC and the squad accountable, the Democratic Socialists of America, appears to be unwilling to do so. And we all know why. Oh, well. It gives me no pleasure to say this because I am a member of the DSA. The DSA leadership has, for the most part, provided cover for the misleadership of the squad. There is a vacuum of real left leadership locally and nationally. Yes. We need a new party for the working class, one that holds elected officials accountable, that bases itself on social movements, that organizes alongside workers on the streets and in the workplaces. Elections are not only are not are not the only, much less the primary path to political change because the political system is rotten from top to bottom under capitalism. Now, as the global crisis worsens, the rot spreads deeper and deeper, and the threat of further corruption by the right hangs over us all. In India, the country I was born in, the far right is in power and rapidly consolidating it. In the U.S., the midterms were but a temporary reprieve unless we get organized. Capitalism needs to be overthrown. Don't even. We need a socialist world, and that is the only possible but then that is only possible by mobilizing many millions of working people around genuine socialist ideas and fighting relentlessly for our interests as a class. But the task of rebuilding the class struggle in America will go nowhere if young people in the rank and file of the labor movement are not clear about the role of the Democratic Party and the need for a new party that serves us, not the rich. Working people need to recognize that we have to fight independently of the two big business parties and of the leaders who make excuses for them. Last year saw hundreds of thousands of workers fight to unionize their workplaces or going on strike to win a good contract, whether at Amazon or at Starbucks or at the University of California. We saw the historic victory of Amazon workers at JFK 8 in New York by the newly formed Amazon Labor Union. The year before, we saw Striketober, which included historic battles like the John Deere strike and Mm -hmm. here in Seattle, the strike of the Pacific Northwest Carpenters. And it was less than three years ago that the biggest street protest movement in U.S. history took place, the Black Lives Matter struggle in the wake of George Floyd's murder by police. Working people want to fight back, but we need to get better organized. We need a nation, nationwide movement, an independent rank and file campaign organizing in workplaces and on the streets. It should be progressive labor unions using their resources to launch such a movement as unions have in the U.K. with the Enough is Enough campaign. But that has not happened. Unfortunately, much of the union membership in this country is closely tied to the Democratic establishment, afraid to call out the Dems, afraid to run independent candidates and build strong strike actions based on bold demands, afraid to rock the boat. This is why with the Socialist Alternative and others, I am announcing the launch of such a national movement called Workers Strike Back. Instead of myself running for re-election against Seattle's District 3, we have no illusions that a mass movement can be built overnight. But we urgently need to get started. 
working people have set a powerful example in this city. It is time to build on that nationally to widen and strengthen the class struggle. Worker Strike Back will be launched in early March in cities around the country, from Seattle to New York to Chicago to Minneapolis to Oakland to Houston and beyond. I'm going to volunteer us to be a hub here. Here in Seattle, we will be holding a launch rally on March 4th. Join us. The main demands of Worker Strike Back are workers need a real raise, good union jobs for all, fight racism, sexism, and all oppression, quality affordable housing, and free health care for all. No more sellouts. We need a new party. And it, yeah, I mean, that, that's 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 not. That pretty much hits it all on the head. And I think we can all agree that if anybody's going to be able to lead this fight, Kashama is one of the very few people that I think would be uh, it would be in good hands. Yeah, I said pretty much the exact same thing last night. I mean, when it comes to these sorts of labor actions and labor organizing, yeah, there there's no one who fights harder than she does. And there's no one who has the record that she does to to back that up. I mean, she's not just a fighter. She's a winner. Um, you know, I mentioned this on our show last night. Uh, they won $15 minimum wage in Seattle before the Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign really made that a mainstream issue on the left. Um, you know, that that was not even a pipe dream at that point. And they won that. Um, yeah, no, she, she goes hard. She only knows one speed. She, you know, hundred miles an hour and no one fights harder than her. No one is more reliable than her in terms of her just utter unwillingness to waver, utter unwillingness to give an inch. Um, she revels in confrontation. Um, I co-hosted a fundraiser for her to beat back that recall almost two years ago now shows you how time flies. Um, But then Russ and I interviewed her campaign manager in the weeks leading up to that recall, and she and her team are so confident. They are so on point. And that's very rare on the left. The the, the left usually does not organize very well. The left is usually very scattered, a lot of infighting, (laughs) right? Uh, And there are certain factions of the left who are sort of afraid of their own shadow. These guys do not apologize for anything. They don't yield an inch. They move forward as fast as they can, as often as they can, and they are proud of the enemies they make. That's the key. They're not, they don't give a shit about no relational harm, right? Shama's MO is relational harm, <laughs> and, and that's what you need. That's the attitude you need right now because um, this other sort of nice guy approach is obviously failing. Yeah, for sure. I've always been a fan of her. She just has it going on. And I actually, the older I get, the more left I keep getting. I really think like, I I think you think I'm going to fall off on the side if I just keep going over there. But, you know, when what she's talking about is so real and so what people are dealing with. And I think that the, the only thing is when you say things like we need to overthrow capitalism, while I actually don't have a problem with it in theory, I think that in terms of messaging, people get very scared from that. And so that's where when like we're dealing with it on the political side, it's like you got to watch that kind of speak. I love it. Like, I think it's awesome. And the problem is the left, our left, our electoral left, there isn't really a left, the Democrats, they're not willing to take a stand and they're not willing to stand up for things because they don't stand for anything. That's why they can't get organized. They have nothing to organize for. They have nothing. They're not on a mission. They're not. That's not what they do. They're not fighting for anything. 
That's yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, when it comes to the new party sort of component of this, because she does say we need a new party, and then she does refer in on that website to the new party in the first person. It's going to be our new party, you know, I forget the exact wording. But she does hint that this movement could manifest in a new party, maybe not right away, but years down the road. And Jan, I think you're right that, you know, some of her rhetoric and some of her specific positions on other issues that she does not center in this article here do become liabilities down the road if you try to grow a party past a certain point. However, when it comes to the militant labor action component of this, I think it is very important and very necessary right now to take the no holds barred attitude that, pardon me, that she has taken over the past 10 years and to a certain extent, man, you just got to let the chips fall where they may with all the other stuff, because giving an inch to these people is the worst thing you can do. I forget who she said this to, but there was one interview. It may have been on the Bad Faith podcast. I don't recall exactly where it was, but she said something that was really, really great. Somebody asked her, you know, um, if if you were perhaps a little easier to get along with, easier to work with on the Seattle City Council, don't you think they might not be recalling you? Because she is a thorn in the side of that city council. She <laughs> let BLM protesters into the building to have a vigil during the lockdowns when they weren't supposed to be in there. She's like, fuck, yeah. you, I don't care. It is the people's house. We're coming in. Right. And what she said was, look, I am an anti-establishment candidate. Obviously, I am a socialist alternative party uh, rep. They're going to come after me no matter what, because I'm not one of them and they don't like me. She said, if I play ball with them, if I play nice, if I follow your advice and just be a little less hostile, right, and a little bit less of a pain in the ass, that's not going to stop them from coming after me. Right. What all that's going to do is that make encourages me weaker. them. All that's going to do is make me weaker when they do come after me, because now when they come after me, because I'm such a loyal fighter, because I'm so loyal to the movement that put me here, I have this army of volunteers behind me that's going to go out and beat the recall. And they did. I mean, when we did that fundraiser, I think there were like four or five hosts. We interviewed about 25 people. These people were extremely impressive. They were sharp. They were skilled. They bought they brought printers like wireless printers out in the streets and would print registration forms for people so that they could vote. Right. I mean, they went to bat for her in ways that a lot of AOC's people wouldn't if they came for her because AOC not has anymore. proven that she's not she's not the real deal. And so. In a certain sense, man, I mean, our theory of the case, this inside, and by our theory of the case, I'm talking about going back four years when we were all very excited about AOC. And obviously, Jane, right. you ran a race. Um, you know, our theory of the case has proven to be a, a, a dud. And so maybe you have to do it this way just all out, 100 miles an hour, all the way, never slow down, never give an inch, never moderate. Um, we'll see how that works. But like I said, I, I, I think you guys are right. I think it's a very, very exciting thing. I think, uh, I think McBrana, I think, uh, the green party, I think a lot of these guys, as soon as Kashama launched this, launches this thing, get the hell out of the way. Seriously. That's all I'm going to say. Move aside. Get out of the way and let somebody who actually knows how to lead a movement and isn't in it for ego or money or protest it's time to be serious about the intentions. The intentions was always labor. That's all it should have ever been. You do not have a party of labor in this country. You have two parties of management that are wholly 
wholly beholden to Wall Street and Silicon Valley. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, not having a living wage, not having universal health care, not having a clean energy grid, having endless war, having no say over how the budget is constructed, especially for foreign policy, when you have criminal justice reform that doesn't really exist, and you have your civil liberties being taken away left and right, the only thing that's going to stop that is the people who actually control the economy, which is labor. And if they step up and rally in the millions, because that's how it's got to happen, you know, everyone's excited about all of these organizations lining up to, you know, try to unionize. Although I have to say this attempt at unionization means dick without people at Walmart doing it. And no one at Walmart has stepped up to do it yet because they're the biggest despicable anti-worker behemoth in the whole country. They're all of their practices are disgusting. They're scared for their lives. But on top of everything else, you know, there's the people that do get in that are supposed to be there to help us. And they get co-opted because the life is just too, it's too intoxicating. It's too lucrative. It's very hard. Uh, and, And that's easy to say for anybody who's there. But you know what? Not all of them are there for that reason. It just so happens that the ones that a lot of people have put a lot of stock in, the ones who have the biggest platform that could actually rally millions of people to say, we're going to do something about this. You mean like a squad? Well, this is remember. I actually remember putting up the definition of squad because it bothers me that people call them the squad. The definition of a squad is a group of people that band together to achieve a mission, like to do something. Uh And so I, I really question why, why do you call them a squad? What's their mission? What are they achieving? Like, I, I don't see it. Well, well, they got, they got that designation before it became clear that they were just Nancy Pelosi, the next generation. It's so unfortunate. It, it is. I, you know, there, I, there's no there's no rationale for a Wall Street friendly left party. And that that's really the problem. And that's what all of us, I assume y'all are veterans of the Bernie Sanders movement. Yeah. Um, that's what we were trying to change. That that's what we saw, that the Democratic Party has no rationale to exist. And that's why they lose to people like Donald Trump. That is yeah. why they lose most elections, most places, most of the time at every level of government because there is no point to having this Davos-oriented Democratic <laughs> Party. We, we covered right. this the other day, how, look, Davos really spread neoliberalism around the Western world. That's exactly what their mission was. They did it. Bill Clinton... Tony Blair, all of these people are a product of the Davos theory of government, that you would no longer have a left, quote unquote, left. I mean, Davos, according to their definitions, basically has a left orientation. If if you accept that, well, according to to the way they would see it, they have a left orientation, right? They they believe in climate change. They want to save the planet like to them okay so you're saying they identify is, as left they can identify they as left sure. okay fine they well, and they see themselves as a counterforce to the sort of nationalist trumpian right wing that is manifest itself not only here left, but which th- they will around lump the in with it right right right, right they'll right. lump that in right we're, <clears> we're again it's neoliberalism but yeah. they right, are exactly. really the source davos is really the source we don't look at that enough i mean they what what that bond villain 
uh psycho what 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 it, what's his name carl um schwab you're talking about yeah schwab um yeah. look he did what he set out to do he he moved all of these politicians through his young global leadership uh program oh, every, everyone every yeah uh schwab, uh carl schwab everyone from putin to trudeau uh to sarkozy to to even victor orban They've all gone through this young Elon Musk, like all these people who are theoretically from different ends of the political spectrum. He has managed to infect the entire Western world with this idea of a public private partnership and the disempowering of governments, this stakeholder capitalism and the Democratic Party that we have in America or the Labor Party they have in England. It's a Davos party. It is a party that reflects that philosophy. And that is a philosophy that is deeply hated by most of the population. And it is, in the end, really empowering a right-wing backlash. Because if you look at who's talking about this, it's the right. It's the populist right. You very rarely, even among the left YouTube channels, see a real critique of Davos. You very rarely see them really dig into how all these pieces fit together. Yeah, and it's the populist right that has the critique of that, which is an important point because, and this speaks to one of a few reasons, real reasons, why all of these people hate Trump so much, because pre-Trump, the Republicans were basically the Davos party also, right? Mitt right. Romney, right. George Bush, right. right? John McCain, blah, blah, blah. It's right. all the same shit right. to them. Right. Yeah. Well, well Trump look is who, a different who, animal. Look at who the alumni of that program are. Yeah, right, 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 right wingers exactly. went through there. Yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. I think I think Trump, uh, you know, espoused the time. And again, this is always the thing that hurt the most about Bernie, was that his 2016 campaign could have been the greatest in history if he really believed in what was happening around him and was willing to even potentially even be a martyr as a result of it. He needed to do what was necessary in order to fulfill the prophecy that he was going to actually cause a political revolution, which he could have done. Mm -hmm. They were very close. And I thought after he won the Michigan primary and his best his best moment when he ran was when he came down here to Miami. And he lit up Hillary so badly on that debate stage. And when he pointed the finger at the camera and he said, you know, the guy from Goldman Sachs, uh, he didn't give me $250 million, $250,000 for a Wall Street speech. He said I was dangerous and he's right. I am dangerous for Wall Street. And I, it's like, yeah, man, that would have gotten millions and millions of people in the streets. And they were uh, ready. Right. Well, look, right. I mean, we got to break out the banjos and do a dueling Bernie. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a very good one. That was a very good one. Oh, well. Yeah, I mean, look. Now you've asked for it. Oh, do you have a banjo there? No, he does not have a banjo. He's reaching off stage for. Oh, there's. You always want to bring up what happened in 2016, Jen Goodison. Unfortunately, they were never going to let me win. That is unfortunate. But remember, you like that for Shama Samar. She's a lovely lady. The workers must be united in this country. So make sure that you are talking about a political revolution with labor. If you do that, there's no telling what might happen. And remember, <laughs> very important. I am presenting. I just wanted to come on here because it was very important. <laughs> something very important on the Hill today. Did you what happened? That? No. So what happened today was I am reintroducing 
the Social Security expansion bill. It is absolutely ludicrous that we have the rich who do not pay their fair share, but if there's one place they should, it is with Social Security. There was a cap of $135,000 in income, and that is all the rich pay. We have to lift that cap. And even if you believe in MMT and other forms of economics, that's okay. The rich must pay their fair share. And one way to convince the American people that it must happen is to let them know that grandma and grandpa are not getting enough money to survive. That's what I think. Good to see you guys. Very good. That was good. I enjoyed and that. Then, and, then, okay. and this is as far as I am going to go because I don't want to get nated. Well, no, that we- and, <laughs> but you know, I always say like to me, AOC could have been Katniss Everdeen. You know what I mean? Like there was an opportunity yeah. for her when she first got in there that has long been lost. And I think that the problem is, is, you know, you, she's trying to work within a system that just is not going to have her. And, and who would and have I, been Stanley Tucci? Would that have been like Rachel Maddow? Yeah, well. Oh, the girl on fire. <laughs> but I'm still but I'm still not really understanding Alex's mindset because she happens to represent a district that's again one of those super super blue districts. They tried to get Michelle they tried to paint Michelle Caruso Cabrera. They pumped millions of dollars behind her in AOC's first re-election campaign. And she still blew her away because her fundraising's strong and there are a lot of people in her district who like her so the way I see it uh, you could be a real thorn in the side, and there's really not a lot they could do to try to get you out. They could take you off of committee assignments yeah. and all that, but you could be a champion of working people in the Democratic Party if you just decided that going to the Met Gala is not as important as making sure that a movement towards Medicare for all, universal health care, comes first. You just well, you know, it, I mean, not be scared. She needs look, to not be scared. The the the, the Met Gala thing is a good point um, because if you notice. She's getting very, very good treatment on all the mainstream lib shows now. She goes on MSNBC now. They don't grill yeah. her the way they used to. They don't mock her yeah. the way they she used to. Take they it. take her seriously. She has yeah. become a star. That's the one thing you can't really become, the easy way at least, um, if you do the kinds of things that you were just talking about. So in AOC's case, because she's a bona fide star now, it's a little less mysterious. What I don't, what I'm a little more puzzled by is why the like Rashida Talibs, right, and the Jamal yeah. Bowmans, because they're not stars. I mean, they're famous, obviously, they're in Congress, but they're not influencers. AOC is basically an influencer at that at this point between the Instagram stuff and the Met Gala stuff. So, look, there are perks for her, but I think this speaks to a more systemic thing that we were just talking about with the Shama thing and with the Sanders thing. You know, the Bernie Sanders campaign was this very unique opportunity to try and essentially build a labor movement through a presidential campaign. Um, this very, very sort of top-down approach to doing things. And it made sense because it was the best shot we had at the time, right? So I'm not saying we shouldn't have tried it. But historically, that's really not how it works, right? Historically, you really have to do it the opposite way. And that's what Shama's doing now, which is you create labor movements, you create labor actions, right. and you rack right. up wins where you can. And this is especially important now that all these fights that were basically introduced to to us through the 2016 Sanders campaign, whether it's a $15 minimum wage, which is, I mean, how absurd is it that that is still a pipe dream at this point? Medicare for all, Green New Deal, tuition-free college, student debt cancellation, medical debt cancellation, all of these big ticket national 
uh, items are basically just abstractions at this point. They're not happening. They're not happening anytime soon. We just have to be real with ourselves and each other and admit that the Bernie campaign was a once-in-a-lifetime shot to fast-track those items, and it failed. And once-in-a-lifetime means once-in-a-lifetime. That means you're not getting those things for decades if you get them ever. And so what you have to do now is rack up wins where you can, and you need brass-knuckled fighters like Shama to do that. There are people in Seattle who have a roof over their head right now who but for her would not have a roof over their head. Okay, those are wins that you have to rack up little by little, city by city, where you can. Those are real wins that make real differences for real people. They make their lives better. And that's where you have to start. And you replicate that as often as you can in as many places as you can. And out of that could spring up a new political party. And out of that, you start electing people, right? But in the meantime, you're racking up wins. It's important to put wins on the board. It's important to win gains for people along the way rather than this constant arguing over how to best strategize towards these abstract goals like Medicare for all, which aren't happening anyway, right? So look, we were for the, I mean, I don't want to talk about the force to vote thing too much, but we were for that. There are people who weren't for that. I think the people who weren't for that were very, very misguided. Some of them were cowardly. Some of them were very dishonest. We've reamed them over the past few weeks on our show. I don't have to get into all that again. But ultimately, Medicare for all is not happening anyway, right? If we're talking about big picture, that's off the board now. You need to put wins on the board for ordinary people, as many as you can in as many places as you can, and let that gather its own momentum and see what happens. And that's what Shama's doing now. I think that is exactly what she's doing. And that's why, you know, one of the straws that should have really broke the camel's back, being in New York, uh, what happened to India Walton is still one of the most despicable things I've ever seen. And it should have just been a clear shot across the bow that yes, yes, we will cheat you if we have to. Like there's no other, we understand that you don't want us and you don't like our policies because it is for the very few at the at the subjugation of the very many. Well, yeah. and, and so in her case, when you talk about Kashama Sawant, if you wanna talk about somebody who I would love to see help lead the effort for workers strike back, India Walton to me is at the top of the list. Like she would be fantastic at leading that effort because she was a martyr. She rightfully won that election. And then they figured out a backdoor loophole to make sure she couldn't get it. It wasn't even that backdoor. They were just like, hey, you know what? They just ran him as an independent. We can run as an independent. All the moderates will vote for for me if I run as an independent. And all of the Republicans will vote for me because we know the Republicans have no chance anyway. So, boom, there's our winning team and they did it and i I think you're right i think that india walton example is a good example because that's also a prime place for it that's where the first you know uh what what was it starbucks there yeah that was where the first um you know they won their first uh union drive there russell actually bought a coffee from the first uh unionized starbucks they they would not no but he went there a few weeks ago a couple months ago yeah yeah, I, I took a trip up there. I mean, it was interesting in regards to what you're talking about. I was only there for five days. There was only so much I could explore. But you, you got a classic, um, you know, racial economic divide down the middle of the city between the west and the east side. The east side is the impoverished part. 
I mean, the whole city is not what it was, obviously. It's yeah. it's it's especially as somebody coming from New York City being up there. It's like a neutron bomb went off. It's like a post-apocalyptic to me oh, because you, there's nobody there. You have this city that was clearly built for like four times the population. Well, you know what else? You know where else it's like that? Cleveland. Cleveland. It's well, just like I've heard Rust Belt cities in general kind of have that vibe. I like, and what's interesting is I like those places. I have spent time in both Cleveland and Buffalo and like both very much. And I like the people in those places. I like the vibe of those places. And I love the fact that they're underpopulated. Let me tell you something. As someone who does not like to be around large amounts of people on the regular, it, underpopulated is a selling That's point. what happens when you live I in love the, the underpopulated. underpopulated <laughs> if you live in South Florida, you live in New York City, you're going to be like, yeah, there's a lot of people. So many people. And so, I, I, I mean, again, uh, I, I would love to, I, I'm curious to see what Nina's going to do next because I do think that if there is a real growing labor movement, she's one of the best voices out there. Her prospects of obviously going to Congress. I mean, look, when we were out there, uh, you know, we she were there did, both She times. needs to knock it off with that. Well, we were out there both times, but the last time was especially disheartening because on Saturday, two, three days before the election, she had on a Saturday before the election, 10 volunteers ready to go out. And that included us to go out there and work on her behalf. It wasn't, it wasn't good. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there. We have a good question from Mario. How do you feel about Ruben Gallego running against Kirsten Cinema? Uh, I think Cinema is going to run as an independent, and I think Carrie Lake is going to run on the GOP ticket, and it's going to be a bloodbath. And I think that the Arizona Senate race is going to get somewhere north of 150 to 200 million dollars alone, just for that race. It's Look, there's going to be so much money against Cinema. Um, especially now that she dim exited that, you know, I think Gallego obviously, uh, runs and we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, if Lake gets the nomination there, that could be a tough three-way race because Lake is a very, very polarizing person. Oh, yeah. You know, she's not a lock to sort of consolidate the anti-Democrat support. You know, some of the more moderate Republicans may go to cinema. Some of the moderate Dems may stick with cinema. She may squeak it out in, in a three-way race. I think cinema's rationale for Dem exiting was to try and sort of intimidate the Democrats against running someone because her rationale had to be, well, they're going to primary me and I'm going to lose a primary because she has an abysmal approval rating within her own party. So yeah. she figures if I switch and run as an independent, then the Democrats will be afraid to run a Democrat against me because we'll split the vote and a Republican might win. I have a feeling they're going to run someone against her anyway and take a shot, especially if it looks like Lake is going to run because Lake is the kind of candidate who could just bottom out at 37, 38 points, which at that point could make it a close three-way race where perhaps Gallego wins. I think the other factor that no one is talking about yet, but we'll eventually talk about is who is going to be at the top of the ticket in 2024, because Arizona is a swing state. And depending on who the presidential nominee is going to be on both sides, I think that's going to play a role in where um, the state breaks. A, I, I, I've been saying this for quite a while. Um, unless there is somebody they've got hidden in a basement somewhere. 
Um, you like Joe? Yeah, like like Joe, but they can't get away with that now. Yeah, you know, you don't get a once in a century plague every election cycle. Um, so I can't imagine how Biden get would get through a campaign. If you remember before COVID bailed him out, every time he did a campaign stop, he made news and not in a good way. It, it was challenging people to push up contests challenging a guy at a factory to go out in the parking lot uh his classic dog-faced pony soldier uh, you know he, corn he, he it corn pop the corn pop <laughs> epic um that that was that was a great but that was like bebop poetry the corn pop story well, corn I, I pop just, was a bad dude but it bad, was i just think <laughs> that he he has um it's funny that nobody is talking. It's so obvious to me. He barely won during a pandemic. Right. He has now right. been there and has not done anything that anybody is thrilled about in any capacity. What numbers would you be looking at to suggest that he would win again? Like right. that to me indicates some somebody people, that's clearly not going to win. And, and who, I don't care who's on the other side, actually. Doesn't even matter. No, it does. Well, well it they don't they don't have anybody as between to, to run i mean kamala is a oh. is a psychopath and she has that off-putting quality that psychopaths oh. have oh. of not quite understanding human behavior you know my, michael Crichton had this great observation about how mammals are kind of inherently creeped out by reptiles because they just don't move right right the way they just that that's what it's like watching Kamala Harris. <laughs> it's 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 she just doesn't move properly. It's like watching a a, a lizard, right? It's like what what is that? Well, it's what is she doing? Well, it's it's actually Hillary in a Kamala suit, and I also hey, 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 Hillary Hillary had the warmth and charm of Ann Richards compared to Kamala Harris. Okay, that's true. Well, that's <laughs> what happens. Once Kamala you're Harris is a creepy psychopath. So that that then you got then you got Pete, Pete. Uh, a, a, a guy who makes mayonnaise look uh, ethnic. Um, so the only so that the Democrats have that can create some type of, um, you know, I wouldn't even say enthusiasm, but just from a charismatic standpoint, Newsom. because he's so full of shit, and that's Newsom. The thing about Newsom though is that he has done such bad stuff in California that it's not good. You you yeah. can't get you if he, if he was the governor of Colorado. Maybe he could slide under the radar in terms of that type of not good for workers policy. Right, right. In California, especially now that California is on, probably on Super Tuesday, can't get away with that. Yeah, You just can't. I, I, I argued this with our frequent uh, guest and friend of the show, Anish Shivani, months ago, that the fact that Newsom is from California is a liability. That's not an advantage. That's, I I, 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 that's really bad for him uh being able to tie him to the hellscape that california has become i just think the party in a, as a whole is cratering in many ways yeah i think there are people who are just looking for something else that isn't there and that's the only reason mm -hmm. you know desantis is coming everyone knows it yeah it's just the question of you know when he gets in the fact that he was in kansas city the other day for the playoff game i mean that tells you all you need to know He's just getting ready. It's just a question yep. of when he's going to launch. Yep. Yep. I think he has a very dynamic team around him that knows exactly how 
when people get confused about, oh, he uh, he doesn't want to allow AP African studies taught in classes. He doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want to have people say gay and this and that. And all I'm thinking is you still don't get it, do you? you still yes. Don't get it. Thank you. Thank you. They Thank just you. don't see it. It is human nature, especially on the right and in independence. You see, the, de- the, the one of the biggest problems that liberals have in this country is that they still think this is a country divided between Democrats and Republicans, and it's not. Yeah. This is a country that is now at least 50 percent independent, and it's probably much higher than that yeah. because a lot of people are registered in the two parties, but they identify as independent. Right. And so what has always been universally true, it is universally true of FDR, of Teddy Roosevelt, of Eisenhower, of JFK, of Reagan, even of Clinton, even of even of George W. Bush uh, and, 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 and to a degree of Obama, but especially of Donald Trump. People gravitate towards leaders that want to kick ass and take names. That's just how it is. Yep. It's our yep. monkey brains. We had on a guest, we talked about this. Our monkey brains from our primitive selves are still unfortunately selecting leaders that to suit modern day issues, but we're using our, you know, we want the ape that throws their shit the furthest. I think it's not just that though. I mean, we we talk a lot about these cultural issues on the show. Oh, it's a big deal. And the the I don't want to call it the left. A a a a certain theories that came out of academia that should have stayed there but were very useful to corporate capitalist interests got supported supplanted the traditional liberal universalist approach to equality and what is now being called equity um, and replaced those former approaches to those issues with something so batshit crazy, repulsive and repugnant to most people in this country that it will be very easy for someone like Ron DeSantis to ride that all the way to the White House. The first person who it it was bound to happen, that somebody was going to say, hey, man, 90 percent of people hate this shit. I'm just going to go after it. What he's doing with uh, new college down there, that is that is politically brilliant. All of this. This we is all what say, we always say that about him. He is pro- politically brilliant. Like this, every this, what, this, what le- this is what these people don't get because they live in such a media cocoon and they don't talk to anyone who doesn't think like them. They don't realize how deeply, deeply unpopular their beliefs are. Right. Look at look at, uh, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble with your viewers, but we we covered it and we reviewed it. Uh, there was a moment in Matt Walsh did his uh, What is a Woman documentary where right. he, he asks this uh, trans doctor does these surgeries about uh, whether, you know, how people feel about this. And she honestly believed that, you know, it's a few dinosaurs who don't agree with this. It's just a few people. And I think that's very typical of a lot of liberals. They don't realize when they hear Ron DeSantis, I always see the headlines about what Ron DeSantis did. And when they're framed in the liberal press, which is most of the press, DeSantis really makes a bad move with this. And I read it and I go, you have no idea what country you live in, do you? What he just did, that was very smart what he just did, politically speaking. 
you're, right. you're talking about a presidential candidate who will have every box checked. Yep. He's, yep. he's, he's handsome. He has a gorgeous wife. He has the most adorable children. He served in combat and was Jag and served in Guantanamo. Yeah, was Bay. he actually in combat? He yes, was he was. He uh, also, I thought, I thought he was only like uh Jag. No, he was uh, there. And you uh, okay. also, he was, the, he was the captain of a championship baseball team. He's Ivy League educated. He is a no-nonsense leader who has not just governor, gu- uh, a gubernatorial experience, but he also served in Congress for, I think, three or four terms. So he's got yeah. literally yeah. the full pedigree. And on top yeah. of everything else, he's not afraid to be hated. No. And, yeah. and that's a very- And he's flipping Democrats. He's reminding he me a lot. We talked about this on, the, on a patron segment we were doing today. Um, I, you know, I was, a, I was a child, but I was precocious. So I remember the Reagan revolution and yo, man, things went from smoking a blunt to Frank Zappa in your bell bottoms to buttoned up Reagan conservatism faster than you could imagine. The culture was completely different from 1980 to 1984 by 1984. You were in a yeah. completely different universe. Well, that, that is I, what I, I think. Did, I did a really, really good job. And uh, <laughs> yeah. from what I remember, it, it really helped the country. No, uh, I think you're right. Where, where did you grow up, Russell? I grew up in Flushing. Okay. Queens. So, it's Queens. Okay. So you grew up in, in a city environment. And so, but, and you and I are probably mm-hmm. close in age. Perhaps. Like I remember, I was born <laughs> in 71. <laughs> I'm a 71. Uh, so then you are close yeah we are close no and and most of my friends are between 69 and 70 because i actually was a year out of my i was a year ahead what happened what happened what did we say (laughs) well we're on they left oh oh we're live we're still on uh did their internet cut out we control the horizontals (laughs) We this is control odd. the verticals. We're stuck on a show. We can't even, uh, we can't sign off. Only they can sign off. All right. All right. Should, so, we, should, we, should so, we do the so, judicial so, show here? So listen. <laughs> so listen. These guys, they were supposed to come up with a little uh, little, little cash. They were a little late. So you're not going to be seeing them anymore. I'm Russ. This is Keaton. And uh, now this is going to be the new show. This is and you're going to fucking like it, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. This is our channel now. We made a deal. We made we made a little we made them an offer they can't refuse. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna there's a lot of swamps in Florida for people to disappear into down there. Yeah. I didn't even know this was possible. I didn't know it was possible that the hosts could disappear and then the guests are on the show with no way to um here i have i think i have her cell i think her cell we should, we should when we when we, we have like call, we, we got we got to we got to we, we got to do this with like the most batshit crazy guest <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like disappear. Like, <laughs> just disappear and just. <laughs> right, you're on. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me let me give him a call here. Hold on. Let me call them up. I got a cell number here. I don't know who this goes to, but I'm, I'm gonna call him right now. Stand by, folks. That's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me give him a call. Oh, okay, cool. All right, because we're on the air still. We didn't know what to what to do. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> 
Right, right. It's just you guys because the live stream is still we're we're on. We're having a great time I, with your I, audience. All right, so, yeah. all right. So listen, listen. <laughs> right. this, I don't know who this double K person is. Yeah, we need you on. We're our due dissidents. Yeah, and, we need you to subscribe um, to our channel. Very important. That's what I was just going to say. Double we K. A, we need you over on our streams. Do dissidents. We're right here. Here, I'm, I'm going to post the link here <laughs> <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, double K. You're our kind of. Uh, you're our kind of. You're our kind of viewer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Kind Head on over there and subscribe. Keeps dropping 1999 on. The we screen. need you. They're they're on their way back in. I was just talking to Peter. Uh, so yeah, they're on their way back in. They just it just booted them off. But yeah, huh. we're on a live stream. So yeah, anyway. Nice to meet you guys. Sixteen Not- still watching, still here with us. We hope we're gonna. We hope we're taking good care of you guys. What other topics do we have on the docket? We were supposed to talk about Social Security. Social Security. Who wants to talk about Social Security, really? It's boring, right? Yeah. Let's boring, not, yeah. Boring. Let's talk about Velma. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> the, the, it, it ju- okay. It, ju- it just keeps getting worse. It just keeps getting worse. You guys the thir- in the chat. The third if, and fourth episode was. If was, they bring up Social Security when they come back, can you, you know, protest in the chat? Can you say this is boring? Let's move on. That's too wonky for us. That's for like smart people to talk about. You know? Yeah. These books, I got them at a yard sale. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Right. Exactly. Yeah. They actually Along with the the shelves. Yeah. The shelves they just gave me. They were like, ah, they're Boeing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if they're rebooting their computer or whatever. That's it. Uh, you know, it's a lot of trust, man. They're trusting us with their channel. We can say whatever we want. We can get them canceled now if we want to. We can. We won't. And and speaking of nice. the 2020 vote count. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no. No, we're not. We're not going to go that, there. That would be very impolite. Be very that, rude. That, that yeah that would <laughs> that that would be like evil. If we just keep guesting on people's shows and getting their channels shut down. <laughs> and getting them kicked off. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny because, you know, we were just talking about uh, 2024. And I think one of the things we should talk about on Thursday is the Marianne thing. Because Marianne Williamson just went on the Vanguard and she oh, did an interview. It? And she's talking about uh, possibly running. So maybe we'll talk about that. When the hosts uh, rejoin, but I know we had some. Ah, oh, here they are. We're here. Everybody right. left. Yeah. Okay, it happens. But you know, we've had this issue, and we're now. My husband was just in here, and we're talking about what we might need to do to like upgrade and stuff. But you know, it's not like we have a superfluous amount of money. Well, if it was up to me, of course, everything would be on a Mac, not a PC. But that's uh, me. Yeah. Oh, double K. Just subscribe to our channel. We were hitting oh, up yeah, Double K man. because she's she's you know she's our kind of viewer if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no, Double K is very so good. So we to told us. Double she's K, you got to come and subscribe to our channel. We need she's, we need viewers. She's amazing. She's I, I she's like a surrogate mom. She's like yeah. my surrogate. Double, double, double K, K of, the, of the Palm Beach case. No, this is Double K of she lives in Wisconsin and ah. is retired Union Union um, meat packing. Oh, oh interesting. Wow. All right. It, very These are people. All right. 
Right. But I think it's fair cool. to say that, you know, we've covered obviously a lot of important stuff this evening. Yes, if, I've, if my money's going on the table right now, DeSantis will be the next president, not because I want him to be, but because no. you can see these things coming. Because we they can read the happen. writing on the wall, people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. Russell has said for, for quite some time. And, you know, I, I think he's right. And on the Democratic side. Yeah, you, did. you didn't think when I first said it, you called me a punk. You laughed at me. Well, because you, to you, me, you the, the turning point, the, the turning point was the midterms, right? I mean, it was looking for a while there in mid-October that it was possible that there would be a real red wave. And if there were a real red wave, if all those Trump candidates, you know, won in the Senate, in the state houses, um, up and down the House – uh, then I think he would have been very, very difficult to beat uh, because he'd have put wins on the board. But it turned out the exact opposite. The only places there were red waves were actually, ironically, where we're all from, New York and Florida. Florida had a red wave, right? Uh, you know, DeSantis executed in all the ways that Republicans hoped to. He mm -hmm. flipped a lot of light blue suburbs to light red just, just uh, like reagan know, he, he just right like reagan. he flipped a lot of urban areas i think he actually won miami dade outright he, no he crushed in miami dade he yeah. won palm beach county outright and he, and he almost won broward biden barely yeah. won broward yeah like barely mm -hmm. won broward mm -hmm. so again this is not a hard call but like i i just it, don't think it's well a hard call. and i've also said with trump all along this is why i didn't have to see the midterms if they have to drug him and put him in a hotel room with a dead hooker, they are not letting Donald Trump back in the White House. You don't think? No way. Because Absolute. I didn't think they would in the first they, place. They will whack that motherfucker. They didn't. They didn't let see me talk. Oh, 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 he's got more. Me. Oh my god! Now you have to let. Now you listen very carefully. Oh. <laughs> they have tried to take me out since the eighties. It's not happening. Yes, you've been a douche that long. That's correct, but I'm a great douche. The biggest douche you've ever seen. <laughs> and believe me when I tell you, we are going to make America great again. Again. In 24. Okay. Make Ron America great again. Again. Totally, yeah. He got in my way. Ron DeSanctimonious, you created a, him. I created that monster <laughs> and I will slay that monster. Believe me. <laughs> He's just in the way temporarily. It won't last very long. I play the long game like in golf. His wife actually really likes him, though. My wife is really incredible. Have you seen her? She's yeah, much, she's more, much more beautiful than Casey. Casey's totally ugly, terrible. I don't person. think so. But Mr. DeSanctimonious is a real ingrate. He couldn't wait his turn. He couldn't wait until 28. He had to take in 24. Well, now it's on, Ron. It's now on it's on, Ron. Con. Believe me, it is totally on. I'll see you on that mat out there. You're gonna, If you think you can go 12 rounds with Donald the King Trump, oh. believe me. You're so going to get knocked out, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It, it, I don't know who these guys good. are, but Just, they totally don't like me. So no, don't they like don't like you. They're really terrible. Nobody really so, likes you. But what, but please, please, I ask you nicely for your vote. This time I'm going to have to ask for votes. Can you believe it? <sighs> I really want your vote because I'm not as scared <sighs> as the Ron DeSantis. Trust me. I'm much more stable, stable genius, great guy, incredible person. Oh, you belong in the So stable. get out there, support me. You know you love it. It's great yeah. to be here with you, Jen. Not really. This is my show. Just came to check and make sure everybody's Go. behaving themselves properly. <laughs> I'll see you later. So gross. He's so lechy. 
Now, now you're um, well. What's going to be really funny about the uh, the DeSantis presidency, if you can use that word, is you're going to see how fast as soon as the culture shifts, you're going to see how fast all the allies become DeSantis Republicans. You're going to see how fast all these in this house we lawn sign people. You're going to see how quickly they become DeSantis voters. No, I'm a Democrat. I never thought I would support a Republican, but you know what? He makes good sense in a lot of ways. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, it was the same. You know, it's going to you know, be Reagan Redux. I mean, yeah. when you saw what happened the other day with the M&Ms, it's like, yeah, there's some people in certain places who are starting to get, yeah, this is not exactly going to help us. Can you tell me what was the thing with the M&Ms? <laughs> what happened with the M&Ms? I they saw made two, uh, They made They're two M&Ms like gay or something. It, it was like, are they gay, gay or feminist M&Ms? M&Ms? Well, they, know, decide, they decided, I don't know, to give them their own changing room or something. I don't know. It's just, it's like, they come on. Really? They're letting the trans M&Ms play in the M&M games, it's, you know, causing all <laughs> Can we just problems. get health care and a living wage, please? Well, yeah, they're all look, chocolate this on is... the inside. They're all chocolate on the inside, people. Yeah, well, that's, 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 uh, that's, that's, that's old school universal liberalism now you are the color m&m you are first but what if i'm a purple m&m but i identify as a yellow m&m let's not go there let's not you 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 are you are whatever you identify as because reality it is unknowable outside of culture and language good friend of the show guy guyberson does not think that DeSantis can make it because of his lack of charisma i, I think there, that there is, is that that's probably the way i would definitely agree but i also agree that right now as it stands today the presidential race is between trump and DeSantis, and whoever yes, ultimately comes out of it yep. is is going to win because there isn't a threat to really combat DeSantis on the yeah, left so no, I, I at agree. this moment I think if this was a normal circumstance where charisma could actually play a role, that would be that would definitely play yep. a, a big factor. But this country is so desperate right yeah, now. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. I don't think yep. people really understand. Like it's the, if they thought that, like in many ways, Trump was just like this rude wake up call. You have no idea what type of a wake up call it's going to be if DeSantis gets to the White House. And this is all. <laughs> And this is all, like you said, like you guys said earlier, you know, a lot of the culture war is, ha, has been presented as, again, I went to, I went to a, you Go know, ahead, say a, it. I'm not saying it, you know, Go I, ahead, say it. I went to Rutgers. Uh, you, you oh, went, when, when you go to Rutgers boy, eh? Oh yeah. He first, tells everyone he went to first, Rutgers. First football game in American history. Everyone who goes to Rutgers has to tell people they went to Rutgers. Just like everybody went to Northwestern has to let everybody no, know. No, I don't tell people that. You tell people that. But my point is, it, the the whole idea of we, we went to DeVry. De, well, there you go. You learned we a skill. Both went to DeVry. To, yeah. DeVry should be tuition free. Yeah, it should. As it far should. as I'm concerned, uh, public we, college. We do, we do a lot of welding. Are yeah. you both in the city? No, I live in the Hudson Valley. I'm in a town called Newburgh, about 60 miles north. Sure. Of the no. city. I lived in the city for a while, but this is my hometown, so I'm back here now. So, so what I was saying, like you guys had said before about the liberal arts colleges and having certain, you know, sort of extreme ideas in many ways about the world that you want to live in. It's why people live in the world of academia, because in their what mm-hmm. I have a, I have a family member who I won't say is in that world. And they believe everything that exists within their world is correct and everyone else is wrong. They're and very sanctimonious. That's a that's a big thing. 
including one of them who mentioned, I don't really like Joe Rogan anymore because he doesn't say the same things that he used to say. Oh, you mean he has other ideas? Oh, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> uh, so, so that's the well. That, well, that's that, that's thing. that's what often strikes me. Look, man, no, no offense or anything, but I, I've run five theaters in New York, and when I would get the Ivy Leaguers, and the, and this makes sense. I gave it a lot of thought to figure out why this would be. I found like the most um, functionally stupid people I dealt with came out of the Ivy League. And what but I mean by it's functional is the lead. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, that's what it's I came up books. with. I, I thought it's, like most why? of the time it's not even books. Right. Most of the time these people aren't even that book smart. Not, not really dogs. because they know how to they, read they a bunch of shit and regurgitate that, that's it. it. That, it's all just memory and regurgitation. Like conformity. Would, yeah. Right. Like that's why that would be, because if you can get through the hormonal storm of adolescence and the best thing you can think of to do with that time in your life is to jump through the kind of academic hoops that you need to jump through to get into that kind of school, you're either so smart that that wasn't a lot of effort for you or more likely you're an incredibly dull person who would right. spend their adolescence that way. And you're going to wind up being an incredibly dull adult. Yeah. What's interesting is I'm actually like, if nothing, very educated. And what's interesting is for me, it was always about the learning. Once I got out of done with undergrad, I went to Colorado. It was all about like hallucinogens and parties. Yeah. And <laughs> I was in Boulder for four years. So, you know, that, oh, yeah, that, right, that. Right. but like, when I did grad school and I did law school, I was actually there because I really wanted to, I was into, I'm the only person I know who liked my first year of law school. Like right, I right. really liked it. I like, I'm right, very right. nerdy, right? Like I get into right. that stuff. And because of that, I did well. And it isn't necessarily that I'm so bright. It's that I enjoyed the process. Right. right so I right. think that that was a big part of it. But I, you know, I definitely know what you're talking about. And a lot of the, I am surrounded. I grew up in North Miami Beach, Florida. So outside of Brooklyn, second largest per capita Jewish ghetto in the country. And uh, the level of like academia elitism and where people went to colleges and all of that was off the charts, off the charts. Like I was the, like the loser of everybody that I was friendly with for not going to a top tier school. Right. You know. Right. Right. I think we're in a situation where people need to recognize that the thing about the culture war is that the working class in many aspects had I mean, think of it this way. You know, people still don't want to talk about the fact that it hadn't happened, I think, since Kennedy that uh, or Kennedy versus Nixon in 1960, that there was a double digit African-American voting block for the GOP. Yes. And Trump got 12 percent of yes. the black vote in 2016 when right. he is considered a lunatic. Right. And people right. still don't want to talk about the fact that it really is black women that are just wholly loyal to the Democratic it's Party. True. There is a significant portion of black men who have moved over to the GOP and people don't want to talk about it. A lot, because actually. Because for so many this is all about economics. This is all about, well, you know what? If right. we're stuck with capitalism, I'm going to do what I can to survive. Because if all you're going to do is tell me that I'm wrong because I don't agree with this part of the culture war, well, then screw you. At least right. this party is right. trying to offer me, hey, learn a trade. Learn that The Democratic Party isn't doing any of that no. because they know that there is a real working class uprising that's happening in this country right now. So they're going to go find it somewhere. 
And that's the danger of continuing down this path, which is why I think bringing the whole conversation full circle, not just with what Kashama Sawan is doing, which I think we can all agree is the path forward if we're going to have any type of a labor uprising in this country, because she is a fantastic person to lead it. I think you'll need a council, not just one person, but she is definitely one of those leaders, along with like an India Walton, maybe even a Nina Turner and a few others that I think could really get this thing jump started in the right direction. And if it's a fleet of women of color that are leading it, well, where the hell are you going to go with that argument then? You really can't. Oh, oh they, they managed. Figure it out. They managed when it looked like the squad was actually going to do something. They, they manage. They we'll, manage. Right. we'll figure so much, but you know, they'll, they'll I, call you white adjacents. But you know what, though? They'll do that, but it doesn't it doesn't work. It really doesn't. They'll try. But it's really just a matter of as soon as something looks viable, as soon as a bunch of labor leaders, rank and file and even, yes, some union locals and perhaps even millions of dollars find their way behind a labor run of this magnitude, they'll be shitting their britches like nobody's business because they know it's a snowball effect. I never thought the People's Party was serious. I always thought the Green Party was a joke. And while I do think there are ideas in the Libertarian Party that make sense, their economic philosophy is kill or be killed. That doesn't work. But what they are espousing, this workers' strike back, they're onto something. This is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been hoping for. And when everyone is talking about Monterey Park, which we all know is going to hit the wayside in two minutes flat because yeah. it was an older Asian man who shot up other Asians, it doesn't it's sell. It's not juicy. It's not juicy right. enough. Yeah. What people don't want to talk about is the reason why mass shootings happen all the time is because society is breaking down. People yes. are giving yes. up. They do not care anymore. It's like, hey, my life's fucked anyway, so let's just take a few people with us while we're at it. Can we talk about what my solution was? We talked about earlier about the, the gun thing, because the problem isn't guns. You're not going to like this one. No, I don't care. I don't care. Because what the one thing, what is the one thing that is consistent with all of these shootings? All of them. What is the one thing that is the same? You- um, all right, you got me. Well, they're all men. So the problem isn't guns. The problem is we gotta, I, I've been saying we got to get rid of men since I was and born. So, and so what I'm saying is, no, seriously, because if we kept all the guns that we have, the amount of guns, but the men were all gone, we wouldn't have the shootings. That's how I know it's not a gun problem. So I find it very interesting that that's what they want to focus on. We have a very toxic, God. miserable, desperate culture of people. God got it. Exactly. Thank you. And it's like this toxicity. And I hate using the term toxic masculinity because it sounds so like cheesy PC. But we are a very violent culture. Our, right. The thing we do is produce arms and weapons. We are a war machine first and foremost. And to think that we can have that and not have it affect us here at home and with a crushing economic crisis, it's delusional. So to me, like I've been saying for a long time, unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think it's going to get more and more violent. I'm not a proponent of violence, but I can just use common sense. But people are getting like you're it's just we're in a we're in like a pressure cooker. And so, you know, but the common denominator is men. Sorry. Well, look, not to not to suck up to uh double K too much, but uh, (laughs) she's in the chat. I see here. She says it's all about economics. I think this whole meme of toxic masculinity is very economically related. 
um, there's a big economic component to it because men feel that they must go out and provide. They must win. There's an element of masculinity that is about conquest, conquest of the natural world. That's why all these alpha male douchebags are obsessed with the steaks that they eat and the red meat. Conquest of women, how many sex partners you've had, how often you get laid, right? Uh, conquest of natural resources. I'm not driving no EV. I'm driving a gas-guzzling car, right? It's about conquest. It's about claiming things, claiming resources, claiming other people, claiming food, claim over the natural world. And the more economic desperation sets in, the more impossible it is to claim things, right? Because you're just flailing. You're just drowning. You can't get a foothold. You can't lay your stake in the ground. You know what I mean? And so how else do you express your masculinity but in very toxic ways, like the Andrew Tate thing. Where do you think all these fucking, like, you know, pickup artist hucksters come out of? They come out of the fact that a lot of men feel no purpose in their lives because they're not able to live the way they've been taught men are supposed to live. And so that manifests itself in all sorts of ways. And I think you may be onto something when it comes to all these, you know, acts of sort of these outbursts, these, these just like, like violent outbursts. That's one way I, I think that that manifests itself. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can call it toxic masculinity. And I know you said that you don't like using that term because it has well, these sort of like woke sort of connotations. Yeah. And I think you're right. But I think when, when I think of that, that's what comes to my mind is, is the fact that as the society collapses around people, especially men, they feel like they are not able to function the way they are supposed to, the way they've been taught that they ought to. And that causes dysfunction. It causes mental health crises. It causes people to snap. And they, when they snap, they lash out in all sorts of, of ways, right? Against the opposite sex, if they feel they're entitled to that, that sort of thing. And it also can manifest itself in, yes, a lot of these horrible, violent acts. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Uh, Kate and I, you know, we've spoken about this on the show. Maleness is a social construct. <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing as as sex differences there woman is whatever you say it is there are no differences in the biology or brain chemistry of men and women so everything you just said is completely wrong right <laughs> i'm gonna I'm glad I, we I'm cleared that gonna, up i'm finally gonna step up and say i disagree but that's me I think that there is. Uh, I think there are. You some, think that it's women committing mass shootings? No, no. Oh, okay. I think that there are differences between men and women. I think that the clearly neurological. He, are you disagreeing both. with me, or are you disagreeing with Russell's sarcastic response uh, uh, to me? Oh, oh yeah, I was. I was complete. I was completely joking. Hey, listen. Nowadays, I don't know. You don't know what the hell people are saying. This, you can't really tell. Yeah. Um, yeah no, no, I was. Or you would equally see if the, women make up more than half the population. But men make up 100% of the mass shooters. That shows you that clearly that's what I'm saying. There is a difference. There's you know, I mean, I mean, the people that I think all of us here don't have a lot of patience for would argue that that's all socially constructed. And that's total bullshit. Well, it's obviously it's, not. It's total bullshit. No, the only thing that I would say is universal. And whether it's socially constructed or not, it does have an impact on this generation of men. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And when you well, look back- Well, it's important to define that because your solutions 
are dictated by your explanations. So if you're going to say it's all socially constructed, you're going to go charging off in the wrong direction. And that is really what creates the opening for people like Andrew Tate. Because if you try to address this by problematizing maleness, guess what? You're going to end up with a generation of very angry, confused boys who are vulnerable to voices like Andrew Tate. Well, you already have them. Who isn't here. trying to yeah, shame them here. for being male. Yeah, you're already here. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm saying that that ideology created the opening for Andrew Tate. What did you what did you think was going to happen when you tell people no 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 all of your all of your behavior as a, as a biological sex it's all toxic it's all destructive right. to society that that is part of it and it's related to what you're saying as the civilization breaks down men are lacking in positive channels for that energy for that competitiveness for that drive for that fascination with things and they're right? lacking in possibility too that's what and i think that, the real problem right. is right and that is where the grifting class of the matt walsh's and the stephen crowders of the world come into focus because they seize on these opportunities you know matt walsh was on uh joe rogan and was asked um you know how many uh you know trans kids are there in the united states and he said it's yeah, a million, totally and, yeah. and it turns yeah, yeah. out it's like five thousand. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it, there, there's like anything. There's going to be these opportunistic individuals, and we see them on both sides. We know who they are. Uh, even people that you guys may even like. Uh, I think there is opportunism in terms of their approach. I mean, again, for many, this is a career. For us, this is trying to transform politics into service. I think you guys are definitely on the same page in terms of the mission, um, which is key. I think that's what we're all fighting for. Um, normally, I wouldn't think this brashness would normally work. I know Jen has to be Jen, but if she in any way, shape or form uh, is considering running one more time against Wasserman Schultz, I think because the bottom fell out so badly in this state that I think even the normie entrenched old Dem hats that are down here in this part of the country that live on MSNBC and CNN Ugh. may finally recognize that, yeah, either we pass the baton or we're never going to win anything ever again, because that's just kind of how it's going to go. Enough right, people well, haven't. Sorry, go ahead. Finish. Enough people have not suffered, especially people who live comfortably to fully recognize just how bad things can get. All right. Well, now I'm going to disagree with you for real. All right. Because the Ooh. page that we've been on, right, the page that most of us have been on, you know, for the last seven years since the first Sanders campaign is that the people want change and the people are hungry for something that they're not getting and that the people are ready for a political revolution and we just have to bring it to them. Um, and to a certain extent, yes, there is this longing out there. There is this desire out there to create a better world for working people. I don't think that's nearly as organized as it would have to be yet. But here's the really important thing. And here is why I would advise Jen not to run, um, because I have been on this page for the last four years and I have the receipts to prove this. I will email you guys this article. Maybe you can read it. And if you want to have me back on to talk about it, or maybe we could talk about it on our show when you guys come on or whatever, even if you just read it, 
The first blog I ever wrote back in May of 2019, I bought dodissidents.com just because I was afraid if the show ever took off, somebody would buy it and they would try to sell it to us for 10 grand, right? So I bought it for eight bucks a month when I had a chance. First blog I ever wrote was entitled Joe Biden and the insufferable weakness of Democratic voters. There is a reluctance amongst people in this space to put the blame where it belongs, which is on these dumb as dog shit Democratic primary voters. The voters are dumb as shit. They are stupid. They are shallow. They are incurious. They are selfish. They have no foresight whatsoever. If this last primary didn't prove that, where Joe Biden tanks in the first three states, Jim Clyburn says in South Carolina, vote for Biden, that immediately steers 25% of the vote to Biden. Bernie was running almost even with Biden in that state. No, James Clyburn says Biden, Biden. After South Carolina, Obama calls Pete and Amy, they drop out. Pete and Amy say vote Biden. Media says vote Biden. Biden goes from having no campaign at all to cruising to the nomination. These voters are stupid. They're dumb. They're dumb. We have to that this does not excuse the Democratic Party for any of the shit that they pulled. And we we don't have to go over that now. We've been talking about that for seven years. Yes, they rig it. Yes, they rig it. But at the end of the day, I'm sorry. Nina Turner was up 50 to 15 over Chantel Brown. The party leaders said, nope, we endorse Chantel Brown. What what happened? A 35-point lead was erased in two fucking months. Over someone no one like no one heard of. They wanted Nina. Party leaders comes in and says, no, not Nina Chantel. They're fucking stupid. They're stupid. Give up on them. Not now what Shama's doing is she is sort of circumventing that she's going outside that we're going to go straight to the union hall, straight to the labor, straight to the workers themselves. We're going after the independents. We're going to build something new primary trying to get through to these fucking morons. I'm sorry. It's a waste of time. Jen, I like you very much. I wish you success in every other possible field, but do not do it again. It's a waste of time. These people are worthless. They are worthless. The voters suck. And I don't know of anybody else who's willing to say that, but I said, in two, I'm sorry, I'm ranting now. In 2019, I said in May of 2019, I wrote this, I will send you guys the link with the date and everything. All that has to happen is the media has to tell the MSNBC viewers that Biden is the only one that can beat Trump. That is it. Once they do that, the primary is over. Nobody else has a chance. Yep. And that is exactly yep exactly how it turned out even after joe biden shit the bed in the first three states what, what you have to remember is these people don't have politics they have virtue signaling and they have culture signaling and they have a lifestyle brand they they being a democrat is like buying lululemon for them it's walking around with the New York Times and knowing what was in the latest op-ed for when you run right. into your friends to talk about it. That That's it. They don't have politics. That's why there's no resistance when their elites tell them what to do, how to think, who, how to vote, because they don't have principles to begin with. 30% of the American people trust the mainstream media. 70% of Democratic voters trust the mainstream media. There you go. Yeah. There I you made go. you 50 bucks 20%. with that rant. See, it worked out. Double 20%. K donated another another 50. Again, double K. We are due dissidents. Yeah. Uh, 20% uh, <laughs> GOP and uh, independents uh, trust the media. So, yes, I do agree that yeah. the institutionalization of liberals is a huge problem. But then again, 
they're ones who openly admit that they are Democrats, even though it really is just a question of, well, this is what's on the menu and you, you, you work with what you have. I do not agree with you that all voters are dumb. I do think that there not are all. a 70 percent of-, of Democratic voters, absolute morons. You know what, though? I think that it really comes down to every and this is the thing that we've learned is every campaign is sort of different. And it really depends on what your mission is and what your goal is and what the demographics are and what your district is. And it isn't it isn't a right or wrong thing. It's very um, it's very subjective to an area, not just whether or not you can win, but whether or not what you're doing will have other impacts on other things within your state that are also something that that need to be considered. I mean, we're very strategic, like we think it through and we're pretty um, smart about really knowing like the area and whatever, but it isn't all or the other. And I think there's a lot of variables. We could talk about this sometime, but it is, it's not yes, as simple. This will be the part two conversation yeah. when we come on your I show. I mean, because what we did, our campaign was a service-based campaign. So it was more of part of a snowball of a bigger movement and keeping it going, which is what this podcast came off of. So when you look at using campaigns and using the party versus working with them and, you know, it's just a very, it just depends on what the strategy is and how you. I think whatever, I understand what you're saying. I think whatever blood you've drawn out of that stone, you've already gotten your cup. I don't think there's any more there. Look, they're talking about Marianne Williamson trying to primary Joe Biden. You watch what happens. You watch what happens. Anybody, nobody has a chance at primarying Joe Biden. If Joe Biden's running. Joe Biden is cruising to the nomination. You can mark my words. Exactly the script you're going to hear is that we can't have a divisive primary because that'll compromise us in November. All of the morons in the Democratic Party, the 70 percent of Democratic primary voters will parrot those exact talking yeah. points, just like they oh, do everything the, else. The time the media it gets took them 20 minutes to get oh. all these morons to put the Ukraine flag on their fucking Twitter handles. That's I how know. long it took. 15 minutes. That's it. They right, watch right. one news broadcast. Boom. These people have no brains. That's why the right wing, they call them NPCs, non-player characters, the background characters in a video game. That's all these people are. They are automatons. And they will parrot the party line no matter what it is, no matter how suicidal. They already did it. They already marched into the boots across the country nationwide and pulled the lever for Joe Biden simply because they were ordered. A man who so they will absolutely they didn't even do like. that again. There's no question about it. No question at all. Marianne Williamson, God bless her. She seems like a lovely person. She has absolutely zero chance. All of this talk about her mounting a primary is completely unserious. And uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, now, if Agreed. she promises to run as a, I mean, because the um, the Vanguard guys actually had her on for an interview and they said, you know, if you run and you lose, will you run as an independent? And if she makes that promise up front that she will, then that's a different story. But she won't. She's not going to. And so, come on, this is just this is just unserious. You're dealing with a complete dead end within this party. That's why what Shama's doing is so important. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only way that things change is if there is an outside force that actually allows people to see that, yeah, there is an alternative and people are going to gravitate towards it because right now the reason the Democratic Party is able to get away with so much is because of what they've been able to stifle in terms of fighting. Uh, so right now, yeah, we've, we would like to have an alternative and people have taken advantage of that. There's people who have made money off of that idea. There's a lot of things that have gone on, but I do think that what Kashama is going to do is an absolute good. 
And I do think a lot of positives will come from it. But the the incubation stage, the early stage where this thing grows, that's where you're really going to see just how far it can go. Guys, it's really been an amazing conversation. A heck of a lot longer than we thought it would go, but that's because we obviously have a lot of things to talk about. A lot and of technical problems. Well, yeah, yeah. but that was brief. That was I'm brief. sitting here scared it's going to happen again. So like, I'm, uh, I'm like, uh, oh no, look, no, no. Look, you'll probably only get a strike from what we said. Well, yeah, right. While you were gone. <laughs> I don't think they'll demonetize you completely. <laughs> we, we get demon- I get demonetized plenty. Yeah, yeah we get done. the limited we ads and all that, that shit. Yeah, that. It is what it is, but you know goes. what? That's why you cross-pollinate. You find some good networking opportunities. We cross our channels. And like you said, um, you know, for February, if there's an opportunity for us uh, to join, we certainly Absolutely. We would love to, to have you. Thank you guys so much. This was well, a lot absolutely. of fun. Guys, plug your, show you very much. You go. plug your show before you go. Thank you so much for coming on. Floors yeah. We are do dissidents. We're on YouTube. Just search that. Yep. Make sure you got the spelling there. Um, and uh, find us on YouTube. We are also an audio podcast. You can find us on any of the major podcast players. And we have a Substack, do dissidents.substack.com. We do publish some writings every now and then. And as promised, I am going to send you that article of mine for you to read. Yes, I and I, I've actually been contemplating us having a Substack. I actually like the you idea. You should do it. Substack is great. And Substack is a great way to stay in touch with your audience because it's an email list. You know, they sign up and it's an email list. They can sign up for free. They can sign up as, uh, you know, you could set a price if you want to give bonus content and stuff. But it's great. And Substack is a committed free speech outlet. So you're never going to yeah. get fucked with in that way there. And if you get fucked oh, no. with here, you you build up a list um, of people who you can, you know, that email list is yours. They don't even own it. You could download it right off of Substack and just put it in a Word doc. This way you always have that core group who you can always reach no we matter what. We normally promote so it's great the tool. Patreon. Well, we do Patreon too. We yeah. do Patreon too. But Substack is great if, if you write articles and stuff. And it's it's just, it's a great tool. Uh, yeah, we, it, it's, it's been great for us. So yeah, you, you guys should definitely do it. Keaton Weiss, Ross Dahlberg. Guys, thank you so much. Best of luck with your dissidents and we will be we'll talking talk to you soon. soon. We thank absolutely, you yes. Thank you guys thank so much. You. It was great a lot of fun. impersonations. I'm jealous. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm the voice guy at Do Dissidents, but you're, you're amazing. <laughs> you showed him up a little bit, but that's you all right. You showed me up a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> We'll <laughs> oh my God. All right. Good Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Good night. So of course, if you guys do enjoy our content, as we hope our audience members certainly do, we would obviously love if you would go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. $5 you a can month. become a supporter of our show. We love Double K. It is her birthday. Happy and we don't birthday, need Double her to K. keep giving. We don't want her to be the sole supporter of our channel. So if you are so inclined, please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change. But if you are feeling a little extra generous for $10 a month, you get the stickers, you get the stickers. And who doesn't want these bad boys? That's my Lulu. Mansion parliamentarian definitely happening in 24. I mean, hey, let on. me tell you, he's something. got a better shot than Joe does. That's for sure. Oh, I think so. I think Joe Mansion would have a better shot than Joe. <laughs> but last but not least, if you are a very generous donor, kind of like one of our members of the chat who we will not say, but somebody who we think very, two people actually, who we think very highly of are two of our big supporters tonight. You get the generational change jersey. Double K has one. Su- si- silky smooth baseball jersey. It's really just Pitchers and catchers report in two weeks. Ain't that cool? You're like Costanza wanting to change the fabric of the uniform. The New York Yankees! So guys, Cotton. check out Patreon. I, I am thinking I might do it Substack. I think that that might be good because sometimes I do have written stuff. 
Like I have written content that I've, that I've done for things that would be really good on a, on a place like Substack. Now, I definitely understand where Keaton and Russ are coming from regarding the disillusionment of the Democratic Party, but they are also speaking from a position of not fully understanding the district that we are in well, down here. Well, and I think that's a and, different conversation. And also recognizing that there are certain places where it just simply makes sense. Being strategic is the key. Well, it also depends on what you expect to happen if you win. What, what do you think that would be? Do you think you're going to go to D.C. Well, and actually get to, policy made? Do you well, think that's to De- well, according to Declan, you just want that sweet insider I trading cash. I just want cash. the insider trading cash. I mean, come on. Um, yeah, so I guess it also depends on what you think that that could be. You know, when I say I think AOC had an opportunity, I mean it. I think she had a real opportunity at that moment. And, you know, if I just think it depends on the person and it depends on the district. There's a lot of variables. And it also depends on what your reasoning is and what your mission is and what you're about. You know, that's what I think. I think it's not necessarily black or white. I just think there's just too many desperate people out there that they're just not going to be able to keep pushing this off forever and ever and ever. It's just not going to work. You can't do it. People need to eat. People need to thrive. You know, you can't do that in this current, uh, you know, set of circumstances. So what else did you want to talk about tonight? I don't think there really is anything else. I think we did. Roe versus Wade. Eh. You know, eh, we've covered wanted, it. They wanted to celebrate Roe. They wanted to officially have a 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which doesn't exist anymore. The Democratic Party had multiple opportunities to codify it over the years. <laughs> they didn't do it. Canoli. We can. Well, yeah. Tim Canova is. Uh, we we have done a few clips about that in the past. Like we've we've talked about. Not it, worth but talking. it's not. not no. No. Uh, but yeah, I think that. Uh, you know, there's a lot more, obviously, that we will cover uh, on Wednesday. We will be speaking with now frequent guest of Status Quo, Zayna Day, who was very much a part uh, and played an integral part in Jen uh, getting selected by brand new Congress uh, for the nomination. Um, that was a huge uh, step uh, when she ran in 2020. And obviously, uh, Zayna- The key person was actually Zenia. Yeah, Zenia. Oh, Zenia Perez also. She definitely stepped up. That was the that's well. Zenia connected with Zena. Correct, but happened. that right. Yes, hundred <clears throat> uh, percent. So of course, with Zena, somebody who was very involved. This is perfect timing to have Zena come on because she was obviously very involved with um, the People's Party, and now that Kashama Sawant is doing what she's doing. Can I tell you? You know the K is silent. Shama Sawant. Oh. Whatever. I'm an I'm a all American white. Guy. I know. I, I was just wanting to let you know. So that. anyway, Shama is forming her thing, and I think if anybody can really speak to what needs to happen in order for this not to derail, Zayna would be a great person to talk to about that. Well, yeah, she can see. And what's funny when I think about somebody like Shama, because Shama, because have Shama Kwan. Kwan. I'm losing my mind. Yes. So when I think about her, though, like I'm I'm with her, like whatever it is that she's doing, I want to be a part of whatever it is that she's doing, because like Keaton said, she has actual results. Right. Like she actually has gotten things done. And, and have- there is no one else I could think of in partisan politics that really can say stuff like and that. And just remember, guys, don't forget in 2016. There were almost 15 million people that voted for Bernie Sanders in the Democratic primary. Think about how many more of those people exist in the country today that believe in the philosophy of what he was fighting for. If we had an actual labor party movement, 
then there's no telling what this could become. And that will put, if there's anything that will put pressure on the squad, for example, a labor movement of millions of people is how it will get done. It's interesting. For me personally, all it would take would be being like shown up by Matt Gates, but apparently that doesn't seem to do it for them. Because I, I it's, don't. It, because that's a, that's a fly by night. That's a one story in one story out. Not really. It seems to be pretty consistent that they keep performing infinitely better as a coalition. Imagine if there was a labor movement march on Washington. See, that would be something. Not only not not a march with pink hats. No. But an actual march. Wait. Oh, I don't know where it is. Where's my vest? But this actual, is what we're talking about here. Where's my vest? Yeah. This is the yes. kind of march. We don't need pink hats. We don't need pink hats, people. We don't need vagina hats. Right? The pink hats were not serving us in any way. Let's take it seriously. Yeah. Yes, Mario, and thank you for the reminder for those people who are so inclined but do not want to lock in their credit card information with us. Please go to Cash App dollar sign Gen Change. We would appreciate any contribution that you guys would be so generous to consider doing. So, yes, yes, we did, Mario. Thank you so much. It was a very nice Christmas and bonus. Thank you, and thank you, TM, as well. Well, those are all, like yeah, we've we've. I mean, those are yeah. Yes, we've gotten some wonderful support there, so we're very grateful for that. Um, so. For all of you guys, we are very appreciative of everything that you do. Obviously, we hope to see you all on Wednesday What's at happening? 9 o'clock, speaking with Zaina. Okay. And so one more big shout out to perhaps our greatest supporter and someone we think very, very highly of, Double K. Uh, for happy your birthday. Incredible, generous contributions as always, and a very happy birthday. We fight for you. You are the you are the person that we yeah, fight for. Well, we fight for the working person working of this people. country. That's what we need. So with that said, we appreciate all the support. Smash that like button if you have it. Subscribe, share, do all that wonderful stuff that we ask you to do all the time, but do it every time because it means a lot. Thank you so much. We'll see you Wednesday. Bye, all Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.